This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Nick Staples straight from West Virginia back to New York City. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So um, what I want to talk about today is how you turn your passion into a profession. How Absolutely. you convinced your father to become a, uh, an employee of your uh, growing business. Absolutely. And, uh, and your growth in, into the heartland of America. Uh, we'll cover topics including, you know, deciding to become an entrepreneur, building a business out of your, your home state, um, seeing what happens in the uh, in, on the coast and saying, you know, we can replicate this and there's demand in the in, in secondary markets, um, to, you know, to really blow this out. So why Definitely. don't you start giving your uh, giving your uh, uh, background here and uh, and then we'll we'll have a free flowing convo. Absolutely. Yeah. Far amazing. Away. Thanks so much. Yeah. So I uh, graduated from high school in 2013, uh, Charleston, West Virginia, and uh, immediately moved to New York City to attend Pace University for musical theater, uh, performing arts with a side of business, education, kind of delved into a little bit of everything. Um, and uh, while I was there, I, you know, found a cycling studio, Soul Cycle, and, uh, you know, the mecca of indoor cycling. And uh, absolutely fell in love with it, fell in love with the concept. But what really stuck out to me was how a performer, which is what I was and still am at the time, could in turn become a cycling instructor. And so it's so crazy, you know, for, for me, how I can intertwine all of that together. But, you know, I, uh, uh, while attending Pace University, um, worked for SoulCycle for a very brief amount of time. Um, still studied, still went to school and, you know, being from Charleston, West Virginia, there's nothing like it in the market, nothing at all. So did you view when you, uh, when you started working in SoulCycle, to me, it's like a, a Broadway show, right? you know, every 45 minutes and, um, you know, the instructors have, you know, 55, 65 people that are, you know, now, now you're basically a live performer at 6am where you can't go to a show until a matinee or a, right. or an evening show. So, you know, how did you feel? Cause what I do see is that you were really in the live entertainment business. Exactly. And, um, you know, how do you feel that is being transferred into going into West Virginia, going into Pittsburgh, you know, what kind of talent is there that obviously, you know, you've got your New York Broadway show performers and you've got your LA, you've got, you know, actors and, Definitely. you know, how many, you know, what's the talent like there? Cause I don't think people fully appreciate, you know, what it takes to run a class. You're exactly right. And, you know, and it's so interesting that you say that because it is a performance, you know, it, it is a production. We, every single class is a production. You have your, your opening, your closing, you know, a climactic point. And so finding people, finding instructors in these secondary markets, um, it's interesting and it's, but the way we find them is finding people that can connect. It's not just about people that can perform, it's people that can connect. And all of these secondary markets have performing arts centers. They have other fitness concepts with people that are just dying to get into the sector to do that particular um, thing. Whereas in New York City and LA, you can hop right on in a heartbeat because there's thousands of studios all around you. So in the secondary markets, it almost becomes easier at points because you have so many untapped people that have never even been approached about this, you know, but to the flip side, some of them have never even heard about it. So now you have to intrigue them and show them what it's all about. And it's been a really interesting, um, transition as we've brought it to a place like Charleston, West Virginia. 
So when you, um, you know, obviously New York City is the, you know, the, the birthplace of, of a lot of these uh, fitness concepts and um, you've got top, you know, A-level performers. So when you went back to West Virginia, were, were people ready for this? You know, it's crazy. Yes. I, I'm going to start by saying yes. Um, people had no idea what we were doing. No idea at first, but they did know one thing and that's that they believed in it and they were having fun. And I think that that's the most important thing is that the untapped market, we were able to take something with such a little amount of um, funding, et cetera, and we can get more into that, but such a little bit of funding and completely blow it out of the water to where these people now they feel like they are in New York City. And I think that's the coolest thing with these secondary markets is that, you know, a lot of these bigger companies, Flywheel, SoulCycle, you know, big, big, massive companies, they're not going to tap into those markets. And so it's really important that someone gets to those those areas. Yeah. And, and we've got one of our friends from Sabre here uh, who does all these demographic studies. And, and I'm, you know, I'm sure SoulCycle and Flywheel and some of these other groups look at Markets like West Virginia and, you know, continue to fly over them and, and, and won't be planting a flag there, which you know, right. obviously benefits you. But when you actually went into town, the one thing that uh, I'll start with this. Every time I go on a plane and someone's like, what do you do? And I tell them I work in the health and fitness industry and Halo sector. And then I, you know, I ask them, have you heard of SoulCycle? Have you heard of Flywheel? And still like 95% of people have no idea what I'm talking exactly. about. So I still feel like we're in the second inning. Um, yet it feels like there's so much, uh, competition and, and it's almost like, all right, you know, has this been, has this trend already proliferated to the point where there's not opportunity? And then I just see like 95% of the people don't even know what I'm talking about. Right. Yet. right. So, so when you went to West Virginia, did you even need to use, you know, this is what's going on in New York and we're bringing this to West Virginia. You're like, look, I'm here. This is where I'm from. Like, this is going to be a kick-ass awesome workout and you don't even have to use any analogies. That's, that's exactly how we started. You know, we, at the core of what Zenergy is, it's about the community that we've built. And so all it took was one person to experience it. And then that one person brought another person. And then that person brought five more people. And to this day, that's what we really use as our community and as our stepping stone. It's you know, I want and we want people to feel like they are a part of something. And I feel like when you feel like you're a part of something, you invest so much more in yourself and the people around you. Yeah. So when you um, when you went to your father uh, and some of your friends and said, hey, I'm doing this in West Virginia, and you told them, you know, uh, yeah, people pay 35, 40 bucks to go to a 45 minute class. Uh-huh. You know, did, how crazy did they think you were? <laughs> people thought I was insane, insane. Uh, you know, I, I when we I remember we were at the beach and we were talking about this concept and the family joked around and said, you know, I would pay five dollars to go take a class. And, right. and we laughed and I said, you know, people are paying 34 in New York City and and they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it at all. And, and here we are, you know, not charging 34 in Charleston, West Virginia, but charging a, a, a prime rate. Mm-hmm. And then what, when you started, you know, obviously you, you looked at the soul cycle business model, you know, how much, how profitable that was, how many people, you know, they're doing two, $3,000 per class per hour. Yep. So how did you think about that in, in the secondary markets of, you know, what is the right price point? I mean, you can still, you get a grilled salmon, it probably costs 22 and you're done with that in seven minutes. So, right. you know, how, what, what price point did you get to and, and how do you think about your business model? Yeah. So when we originally, originally opened in Charleston, uh, we started at $15 a class that was based on some yoga classes that were around and, um, just really, uh, wanting to come in at a, just a random price just to get a feel for what it was. 
Um, you know, three years later, we're now charging $17 a class in that location and $20 at our other locations. The interesting thing is that for us, we're able to do it without having 10 people working our front desk. Mm -hmm. You know, you have an instructor and you have one or two people working your front desk. So that's kind of how we got that class rate. But in addition, you can also buy a monthly pass from us. So which is 200 a month, 225 a month, 250 mm. a month. So you're, you know, creating a product that's prime and um, something that people really want to invest in. So when you went back to West Virginia, what, wh- where was the first location and what were the, you know, what was the demos or what, what kind of retail were you trying to get next to? You know, t- talk us through how you made those types of decisions. Yeah. So when I moved back home in July of 2015, um, I dropped out of school, out of pace, quit all of my jobs. Good decision. I, I, quit, I uh, quit all my jobs. I worked on Broadway at the Lion King. Um, worked for I eight, didn't, by the way. <laughs> I still aspire to be on Broadway. It's amazing. I tell people I'm off Broadway. Like <laughs> there two you blocks go. Away, so there you go. go. Hey, I guess that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I moved back home to Charleston, West Virginia after quitting all of these things due to some unfortunate life circumstances. And there was nothing there, nothing. And uh, it was so crazy because I truly didn't know what I was doing at the time, but you know, who really does know what they're doing at, mm-hmm. at the time. And, uh, I found this retail space and it was, it's an upstairs, same space we're in today, three years later, mm-hmm. um, upstairs, it's a little less than 2000 square feet. Uh, it needed some paint and, a you know, a few walls put up and that was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. And we opened three weeks later, three or four weeks later, we had wow. our whole company. Wow. Right. That, that's not like the permitting process no, in, no. in New York yeah. to open anything. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And lucky for me, you know, I think that that's the, that's the such the interesting piece of the story is that so many people think that you have to start in such a big market. Mm-hmm. And that may be true for some brands, but for us and for me and for Zenergy, starting in Charleston, West Virginia was the best thing that we could have ever done. Um, because we were able to start so small and scale our business with each location that we've had since and go back and add things to that location, you know? So from the start, we were set up for success from day one. So when it's your, when it's your own business, how many classes were going on a day and how many were you teaching yourself? When we first opened, we had 24 a week and I was teaching all of them. Wow. Okay. It was a lot. It was a lot. We have, we have some, uh, some entrepreneurs that we work with and they think they have this large company where they teach like one class a day or, you know, I say, look, man, you got to get on that bike and this is your business and it's your bike and you better ride it. You're and right. not hire somebody to ride. You're it right. And you know, and it's, it's interesting that you say that because when riders see you riding, they feel the connection and you know, I am a very hands-on person. So you'll always see me in all of our studios. I still today teach. 10 to 12 classes a week. Um, that's very crucial, very important for me um, because that's where the philosophy started. So, you know, it's really important to be in that setting. So how much of this was um, people enjoying the experience and that kind of ramping, you know, through word of mouth and through kind of building that community and how much of it was um, you being an evangelist and it's like I'm taking Nick's class and like it was Nick first and then it's, Zenergy and now it's Zenergy. You're right. Yeah, there was a transition. There mm-hmm. was 100% a transition. You know, you went from one instructor who was teaching, managing the studio, cleaning the floors, selling the retail, doing everything, and now you're bringing in five additional people that, you know, people definitely know, but maybe they're not Nick Staples, the people they, the person they've been taking for two months. 
uh, the way the transition worked was we made sure that each instructor that came in was teaching the same philosophy. So, you know, there's a difference, and we tell people this all the time, all of our instructors, is we'll provide the backbone mm-hmm. and you provide the body. And that's something that to d- today, you know, all of our instructors will provide you the backbone. You have to have the backbone, but the body you're going to fill in. You're going to choose your own music. You're going to choose all of that on your own. So having that down and from my experience at SoulCycle and my experience working at other places and on Broadway and mm-hmm. being a performer, the training was the most crucial part to that. And still today, we're still developing the training. Every so are you, are you running the trainings yourself? I am now. Yes. Okay. yes. How many locations are you up to now? We have three locations, Charleston, West Virginia, Morgantown, West Virginia, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Got it. And are, are, how are those going from a standpoint of you being able to allow this to, to build on its own and other personalities to kind of spring up and maybe for, for our entrepreneurs here that are listening or for people that are in your position, you know, at some point you got to say, all right, if this business is going to scale, you know, I can't be responsible for, you know, every piece of a class, like you're talking about the backbone. So dig, dig deep for a second and like, tell us how you internally kind of calibrated, like, Hey, I'm not running, this isn't my own spin studio anymore. And this isn't my class. Like I'm building a business. There's like a, there's a pivot point. I think the important thing that I learned maybe within the past six to eight months is that you need to listen Mm -hmm. and listen to your employees around you because your employees, your, our riders, our clientele, we don't call them clients. We call them riders. Mm -hmm. Um, they are the brand and, you know, we are there for them, but the employees are the breathing mechanism. They're the heart of the company. So, you know, taking feedback from each other and, and letting people for us, it's work to let them run their own business. We provide the tools and then you run the business. Mm -hmm. And when they feel like it's their business, when they feel like they have a part of it, we found that it, 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 it blows it out of the water every time through management, instructors, our front desk. I mean, anybody that's involved in the company, you want them to have a sense of pride. And I think that's the most important part. So how far is, uh, is since I don't have a, a, my uh, GPS with me, how far is it from Charleston to, to Pittsburgh? Three hours. Three hours. So how often are you in Pittsburgh? I'm in Pittsburgh about once every two weeks. Charleston about once every two to three weeks. Morgantown is our home studio, our flagship studio. I'm there every day. Gotcha. And then what, what's the future plans here? Where, where do you see the opportunity and, and what's the, you know, the, the, the growth that you want to have but, the, but not potentially stress yourself out to the point where you know, it, it, it loses what you've built? Yeah. So we want to stay in these secondary markets. Um, you know, as we grow and build the studios, we would like to see a little bit more clustering. Uh, in the Pittsburgh, Ohio, Kentucky regions. Mm -hmm. Ideally, I'd like to open 10 studios in the next 10 additional studios in the next 24 months. And once those are really planted and in the ground, I'd like to really reevaluate and get a new game plan from there or even a game plan up to that point. Got it. So, um, so let's pivot to you've got, this is a a family business. So tell, tell the story about how your dad, I just celebrated my dad's 50th wedding wedding anniversary with my mom. And I've done some work with him, as, you know, in, in his business at the time. Um, so talk about how you got your dad involved in, in the business and, and how he gets uh, 
disciplined or or, yeah. or, or coached up as needed? Well, I joke all the time. I, I, I joke all the time because I'm his son. He didn't really have a choice. But uh, no, no. When we uh, when we opened, he was he's he's been so supportive. And, and you know, when I came back to Charleston and, and moved back, you know, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. You know, I was really lost. And I think so. I think, you know, being able to grow in the aspect of something completely different than what I was going to school for, but at the same time, not. Yeah, sure. Um, it, it's really cool. And so for him, you know, he had such an interest in what I was doing and, and coincidentally enough, became an instructor, mm-hmm. um, went through the training program, does a phenomenal job, teaches at our Charleston studio. And I, it, it, it is a family business, but... Every single person that comes to Zenergy is a part of that extended family. So while, you know, he's blood family, I think it's, it's no matter how big we are, 40 studios, 50 studios, a thousand studios, it's so crucial that just like the connection that I have with my dad is that we have that same connection with every single writer. And so, you know, that's, that's really been, it's been cool to see it grow. That's great. Yeah. So how, how have you built out the team now that you're at three locations and, you know, wh- who's in different boxes and when did you feel like, uh, you know, hey, I got to bring on a new marketing person. I got to bring yeah. on a COO or how, yeah. how's that evolved? So uh, we start with a studio manager for each studio. They are the running people of the studio. Depending on the size of the studio, then we'll add an assistant studio manager. We make sure they are fully trained on everything. We actually just created, I, I think we mentioned uh, previously last time, a, a training program. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure everyone's speaking the same language, the same lingo, doing the same movements. I mean, everything that's involved in the in the four walls. And now we're starting to build out from there. We get our instructors. But now we're starting to build out our HQ team. So right now we just hired a director of ridership and retail. Okay. Um, you know, that person is in charge of our community building. Are we reaching the, the, the hospitals that are around, the colleges that are around? And two, our retention, you know, the riders, how much are they coming back? You know, what reports can we run and, and what incentives can we do to get them back? And then in addition, our retail, which is a growing part of our business uh, right now, between 10 and 15 percent of our business, um, you know, and then an assistant for me. So it's continuing to just as we build more studios to bring a COO, uh, you know, a, a in-house financial mm-hmm. person, um, you know, to, to keep that consistency moving forward. So for people who haven't taken a class and I haven't had the, the opportunity yet, but tell us well, what does the brand represent to you and, and how'd you come up with the name? The brand to me represents a few words, passion, community, and love. Um, and then in addition, there's four words that we live by patience, dedication, hard work, and love PDHL. Every class ends like that. And for us, you know, to me, Zenergy represents what I needed in it when I was going through a dark time, and that's exactly how it was created. And so we, as a team, were able to take that and bring that into a class setting. For instance, when you walk in, I want you to feel welcomed, and we do that by not having mirrors in our studios. We have no mirrors in any of our studios. Um, you know, our instructor, it's not a boot camp style class. You're going to get a workout. You're going to burn a lot of calories, and you're going to be sore. But it's not a boot camp style class. I want you to enjoy it too. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Zenergy really is, is it's encompassing around the word of community together in all aspects. We are all there for the same common mission, the same common bond. It's not a race. 
No one's against each other. And when the door shuts, no matter the craziness that's happening outside of our four walls, we can still enjoy ourselves for at least 45 minutes. Gotcha. That's great. So talk about your relationship with, uh, with Sabre and, and Absolutely. how you think about the data that, that you're given. And also, you know, I, I can tell that you, know, you do, do a lot of things based on your gut, which I think you should never give up because mm-hmm. the data is the data and you've got your right. gut and you got to make decisions that, that you live by. So how do you think about the balancing act of that, given that this is your first you know, enterprise? Yeah, um, that's a tough one. You know, I, every location that we've done up to this point, we just found and we did. Mm-hmm. As we scale and grow, you know, with Sabre, the infor- what we've done is given them the information and they found the information based on the locations that we have. Mm-hmm. And now we're trying to put that into play. So we have three different locations with three of the same demographic, but also three different demographics. And so now it's <clears throat> how can we strategically get all of those demographics into each location. So, you know, what we're doing is, and the Sabre team is doing is creating these maps of these different trade areas and the different locations that we can go into where they are truly untapped markets. I mean, that's exactly what they are. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's other fitness studios, but there's not a cycling studio. Um, So, you know, as far, a lot of it is gut decision. A lot of it's data driven. I don't know. That's a tough one. No, it's a, that, that, that's good. I just I wanted to make sure that people um, who are listening here don't just uh, look at a map and look at the data and say, okay, yep. if somebody if Buxton or whatever software says I should be on this corner, um, you know, that data is always historical. Right. And it doesn't have to do with what the future, you know, there could be a building going up on a corner. There could right. be a civic center. It could be a, you know, a stadium. There could be a new school expansion that's not necessarily calibrated into that. And I think it's important, too, you know, with the data, you're exactly right. But it's also important to see the location, you know. Sure. I don't care how many locations I have. I want to see every location before it's a location of ours. And the reason why is because you can walk down the street and you can get a vibe instantly right. of what that community is like. Yeah, we had one. Uh, we were looking at a deal and there was a um, they were trying to sell their business. And the director of, of development said, you know, our database is so good. I don't have to look at a location. Fast forward three years. They had one location next to a methadone clinic and they, there's <laughs> 300,000 cars going by. But they happen to be on a highway right, right above with no exit ramp. So it looked really good right. on a map, but it actually is you know, losing a lot of money. You're so, exactly right. Yeah, you got you got to do the work. So, um, you know, in, in closing here, you know, give us a vision for, uh, you know, what Zenergy looks like and, and the types of people, you know, you want to, um, you know, hire and, and you know, where, where you want to take this, because it seems like you've got a nice, nice business here and, and it's poised to scale. Amazing. Yeah. So, you know, as Zenergy grows, we want we want people to join us that have a vision and have a passion, um, you know, with no passion, you have no purpose with no purpose. You have no passion. And so, you know, as we grow and as we build our teams and as we go to new uh, areas, it's important to find people that can be a part of the communities that we've built, not just in those new areas, but also the communities that we've already built. And so for us, you know, being able to grow our ridership, our clientele, um, exactly how we've done it is the most important part. You know, we can add in marketing pieces, we can do all that, but we have to stay true to what Zenergy is, which is the community core values um, and the and the friendships and the family that we've built within the studio. Yeah. Before we close here, I, you know, I've been thinking about capitalism as like a, a concept for, 
you know, and how it's evolved and how people look at, you know, just what the bottom line is. And they forgot about, you know, how many people are riding a day, you know, how happy they are when they leave a studio and how that domino affects into everything else they do during the day. Um, so when, um, when we look at deals, someone's like, Oh, what's your profit margin? It's like, Oh, let, let's rewind for a second. Right. Like, let me tell you how this is impacting the community and that this business model works. And then let's look at the financials. Obviously you're not going to be in business. You know, it's not a nonprofit, but you know, it could be a for-profit with a purpose and a passion right. that generates, you know, good returns, but it doesn't have to, it's not, a, this is not a last dollar Right. industry and I hope it, it doesn't get that contaminated that it becomes and, that and it's so you know I, I love that you say that because that is what Zenergy is benefiting the communities around us you know for instance we are you know creating and working on the ride as one program where we donate back to all of the communities in which we're in and the great thing is you know fitness concepts like us can do charity rides we can raise mm-hmm. money for disaster reliefs and we're not only benefiting ourselves, we're benefiting our riders, and then our riders are investing in their communities. And so it's, it's like the domino effect, just like you said. Yeah. Well, look, we, uh, we're excited that, that you came back in here. Thank uh, you. We're excited to work with you and, and, and the Sabre team. And, you know, let's, uh, let's do this again in uh, 24 months and talk about the growth and, and how you've grown as an as a entrepreneur and how this company is affecting more and more people. So thanks for coming in. Amazing. Thanks for bringing your crew. Thanks so we much. always <laughs> like uh, participants in, uh, in, in the viewership and an audience in the live podcast. Gotta have so. the support. I love Always. It. All right, great. Thanks awesome. for being on, Nick. No problem. Thank you.